gear up as Cash Miller and his team of accomplished guests steer you on an enlightening voyage filled with valuable tips, fresh insights, and effective strategies. Welcome to Marketing Masters, the Agency Power Show. Hello, everyone. I'm Cash Miller. I'm the host of Marketing Masters, CEO of Titan Digital. Today, we've got a special episode because I've got two guests with me. Uh, Donnie and Dana, they both work for or run different agencies. Uh, one's down, Donnie's in Florida and Dana's up in Canada and they have been at it a long time. So I'm gonna, this is going to be a lot of fun because uh, it's uh, when you can get three people together that have been doing this for well over a decade and stuff, each of us, you know, it's just amazing because we've always seen so much, you know, the history goes back and in the digital landscape, so many things have changed. Both of you, welcome. You know, Donnie, I'll let you start. Why don't you introduce yourself and your agency? Hi, my name is Donnie. Um, I have Good at Marketing, which is an agency for web development, SEO, PPC, um, pretty much digital marketing mainly. And then I have a hosting company with SEO in mind, which is also focused on WordPress. And we optimize websites, make sure plugins are maintained. Um, and make sure your site is super fast. All the things that you would need technically done are done with Rapid SEO Host. And my newest company is uh, Asset Linkable, which is a site dedicated to creating linkable assets um, and doing outreach work for those linkable assets. So let's say you're a dentist, you can order a linkable asset for Invisalign. We would you know, put something amazing together for you and do the outreach work for you so you get some backlinks back to that um, linkable asset. It's the one of the main ways to generate backlinks without violating Google guidelines. And Dana, you know, what about your agency? Yeah, so I'm president of Kickpoint, which is a digital marketing agency. We also do SEO, PPC, websites, etc. Um, my focus is mainly on analytics, which has led to the newest thing I'm working on, which is called Analytics for Agencies. It's a new course that we just released, and it is analytics for agencies. It's everything that I know and our agency does when it comes to delivering analytics projects for our clients, basically handing it over to agencies and saying, please do it right. Uh, and so it contains our Google Tag Manager containers, our reporting templates, all of our dashboards, the, the whole thing. Nothing is held back. Um, and, and so that's the biggest thing I've been working on is, is that education side of things. Well, that's timely because, you know, analytics for agencies and such, you know, we're going to be talking analytics today. You know, and it really, you know, how SEO and, you know, how you're using analytics to, you know, see what the, you know, what is going on with the SEO efforts you're doing. And lately, you know, of course, just a few months ago, Google, you know, made the biggest shift that it's done in years with Google Analytics 4. So, Dana, once you start this, you know, conversation off, because I'm sure you've been really diving into everything they've been doing. Oh, yeah. The June, July, very busy months with regards to setting up GA4s, even though we've been doing it for a, two years, I think at that point, it was still like there was lots of last minute panic. Mm. So one of the biggest things that I find with GA4 in particular, you're actually in a better spot if you never learned universal analytics because you don't have anything to unlearn because GA4 is so different from universal analytics. It's like take everything you had in your mind about how analytics works, throw it away, then approach GA4 with a fresh mindset. And I think that's one of the best things to do because UA had their own model and it was broken the moment we introduced tabs into browsers. GA4's event-based event -based model is significantly easier to work with, even though the UI in GA4 sucks. And this is why people are like, this GA4 is garbage and I hate it. It's the stuff is there, 
Um, but remember too, like it's not as great a UI and universal analytics many years ago also kind of looked like crap. So we've had, we had universal analytics for a long time. It got better over the years, but GA4 also is, is a baby and Google had to release it, I believe, earlier than they expected because of issues with European Union and GDPR. So I suspect that if that hadn't happened, we would not be pushing everyone over to GA4. The sunset may not have happened until 2024, 2025. But here we are, the sunsets happen, UA is shut off now, we're stuck with it, so <laughs> it's time to learn how to use it. Yeah, and as agencies, I'm sure, Donnie, for you, this has been the same case, you know, like we've had to make that transfer and we've been at it for at least a year or so, you know, because of the number of accounts and everything. And then there's been technical glitches at times when you're, you know, trying to get the new codes working, making sure that they're actually pulling data and stuff, because some of the ways Google is like kind of put things together hasn't worked exactly as planned, you know, for different accounts. You know, have you been seeing that kind of oh, stuff yeah. too? Like, like, you know, we've, we've had a lot of clients that we've migrated over and we thought the tracking's fine. Everything seems fine. We followed all the steps that were presented and then something's off and, and, you know, are there two tracking codes now? There's always some, some smoke somewhere and then, you know, you, you know, there's a fire you have to put out. Um, but it's been, it's been, pretty tedious, you know, um, and, and having a solution to that, you know, is going to be incredible. Um, which is, you know, a yeah, big yeah. part of why, you know, what Dana has to offer is super awesome. Yeah. Like I say, it has been a lot of, you know, work and a little bit of heartburn, you know, to be able to, uh, you know, because you, that has happened, you know, you think you've got everything set up and then, you know, you go check it a little bit later, you know, make sure it's starting to pull data and there's nothing there. Yeah. Like I say, it ends up missing stuff. Like, you know, we've seen instances where nothing got pulled, you know, or just enough to make it look like ghost traffic, you know, like, you know, there's a few visitors, no, it's not actually working. We don't know where it's getting that count from, but we didn't go from, you know, thousands to zero. <laughs> so, um, so Dana, what are some of the, you know, there's, you know, a lot of differences between them, but when we're looking for, uh, from an SEO point of view, what are some of the primary metrics that, you know, you, you know, focus on? And then and Donnie, I'll ask you the same question, you know, from a, when you're working with clients and stuff, what are you looking at to be able to figure out the improvements that need to be made? Yeah, definitely. One of the things that's new in GA4 that we really focus on is engagement rate. So I know people love bounce rate in universal analytics, but bounce rate was horrible and was never measuring what people thought it was measuring, right? It's, it's, mm -hmm. you could have spent 20 minutes on a page and still bounce based on how your setup went. So I think one of the big things with engagement rate is it does actually measure engagement. You know, if someone has your tab as their open tab for at least 10 seconds, if they visit a second page or if they convert, you're an engaged visit. That is a much better metric. And you can up that 10 seconds up to 60 seconds if you really want to make sure that they're truly engaged. So being able to capture that, I find is a lot more effective. And then part of what we're looking at as well is, you know, when you look at organic traffic and what page they're on, looking at that engagement rate, seeing where they came from, you know, especially even a landing page perspective. So if I can see that the engagement rate is significantly less on a certain landing page from organic traffic, then blending that data with say Google search console to say, what are the queries that are driving people to this page? Is there something that needs to be adjusted with like the metadata, for example? Like, is it that the query doesn't quite match what it is that people are coming here for? Or is it a good match, but we're not presenting it well off the top? 
And then other things in GA4 that we capture now that we wouldn't really have done in universal analytics because it would have been difficult to report on are things like, was the CTA even presented to the visitor? You know, did we even give them the chance to convert? You know, you can't be like, oh, this page sucks. It's not converting. Well, they don't see the button because the button's like three screens down, you know? Yeah. So being able to capture that level of information is significantly easier in GA4 as well. It's something that in UA, you could have done it. It would be difficult to report on GA4. It's significantly easier. So I would say those kinds of metrics, just like, could they convert? Were they engaged? Right there from SEO perspective, you're already head and shoulders above where you would have been with UA. Well, my understanding is it's also able to track scroll now too. You know, how long, how it does, but it only tracks 90% scroll by default. Okay. So we always add in 25, 50, 75, 100. And also on our kpplaybook.com website where we publish our resources, we actually capture every image that's viewed because a lot of our posts have big, heavy images and they're quite long. So the space between 25 and 50 could be enormous, but there might be four images in that space. So then we'll capture every image that enters the viewport and then we have a much more accurate sense of where people are seeing. Again, stuff that... Universal Analytics wouldn't have been able to handle because the volume and you wouldn't be able to parse it very well, but GA4 is a champ when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, the interface may be different. You said it's got, a, you know, it's gonna, got some ways to go, but if you're willing mm -hmm. to work with it, the data, though, is a significant improvement. Absolutely. Yeah. And the stuff that it captures right out of the box, like YouTube views, file downloads, 90% scroll depth, none of that was in Universal Analytics as well. So it's already a huge improvement. Yeah. So, and, and like I say, with what we do, data is what matters most, you know, because that's how we, you know, make our adjustments. It's how we learn and stuff. Donnie, what are you seeing too? You know, you got some things so, to I mean, add to data that. covers more than I can on the topic, um, 100%, because that's what I learned from mainly. Um, I, um, additional to that, there are certain tools that I've used over the years that are good for SEO um, outside of outside of the realm. There's a Keyword Hero tool, um, which will pull um, keywords back into your analytics account for um, you know whatever was back in the day. You used to get the keyword data, and you'd find some hidden nuggets. You'd pick a page, you'd look at the keywords, and you'd go, "Oh, look at this! Here's a new keyword that I'm on page three for, but it has a lot of impressions." This, this keyword is going to potentially bring me sales if I can push it to the top, right? So you look at the data, you would review the data, and then Google decided to hide the data. So Keyword Hero is another tool that will pull that data back into your analytics dashboard. Um, I don't know how accurate it is, but I've used it in a few agencies, and it seemed to work pretty well. Um, but again, Google's hiding the data. I don't know how they're pulling that data. Um, I can never vouch for a tool and say it's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you a little bit about how it actually is probably pulling the data, not that we use Keyword Hero, but it certainly is blending data between landing page dimensions in GA4 and landing page dimensions in Google Search Console. And I think that that's something that, you know, you can do on your own and then take a look at the keywords that match as well. It won't be, and I think there's also a little bit of like fuzzy math that happens with tools like Keyword Hero. So, but I think a lot of this too can be done with blending in Looker Studio. So that's another tool that I think people should get a little bit more familiar with, despite the horrible name, is, uh, is you know, formerly Google Data Studio, now the worst named tool in the world, Looker Studio. Clients are like, what is this Looker thing? It's... Yeah, that's, I, I had a conversation earlier about Google, Google, uh, you know, GMB profiles that are no longer, you know, GMB, you know, Google's I, like, it was Google, it was Google Maps, right, at one point, and then it became, yeah, it was uh, Google Local yeah, as well, Google Local, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Google Places. Let's not forget that. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that one. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh yeah, no, I've been working local SEO since it 
they came out with this stuff. So yeah, it's yeah. it's have every name possible. Yeah, I've been I've you know I've been working on it as long as maps you know has existed, but I, <laughs> you forget the names because they'll hold on to them about three years and then they'll change it. <laughs> yeah, and it makes no <laughs> sense whatsoever. So that you can't research it. more information on how to work the system. Because <laughs> that's a, that's a I great mean, theory there. Yeah, they yes. the name because themselves. Yeah, it's not, not even something that right. the general population is going to benefit from. Yeah, you just made all the articles <laughs> online out of yeah, exactly. <laughs> just because yeah. you changed. The name. Actually, I use uh, I use ChatGPT quite a bit to write regex for Looker Studio, but ChatGPT doesn't know that the name changed because their oh, database is older uh and so you have to use google data studio otherwise they end up giving you regex for looker which is the business intelligence tool not looker studio the <laughs> other tool that has anyway yeah, yeah. google being google yeah <laughs> nobody wants to stick to anything nowadays yeah mm -hmm. okay so you know well that that's interesting because you got you know there's some, definitely some tools of course that can uh, be integrated and stuff but you know so uh, go into the um how do you end up using because you started into user engagement and the uh you know bounce rate and stuff so let's kind of like segue into how you know analytics should be used for content creation because those are the user engagement and the and what you know bounce rate before and stuff were always things that people were looking at of whether people are really engaging and you know like looking at the content how long are they sticking around and stuff so how are you using it to be able to determine what kind of content should be you know, for one, that you should be going after and also, you know, adjustments you might be making to existing content to improve it, you know, even after it's been published. Mm -hmm. So we have a, a Google Tag Manager and WordPress plugin on our website, uh, Google Tag Manager recipe on our website, which is called content consumption is what it's measuring. And so the way that it works is that when you set it up, you define, you know, this is the div on our website that the content is in. So when the site loads, the content consumption script reads the number of words that's in that section and then says it'll take, you know, two minutes and 13 seconds to read this. And then a timer starts. And then when the timer is finished, if they're still on that page, then it says that they dwelled long enough to read the content. Then we define the bottom of the content. So like, you know, when the footer enters the viewport, for example, or a specific call to action, then that's the end of the content. And then if they get to the bottom, then we say that they scrolled far enough. And if both of those things are true in the same page view, then we say that the content was consumed. Mm -hmm. And so being able to see content consumption is really useful for clients because it is horrifyingly low in a lot of cases. And if you have a really long post and it has very poor content consumption, it may be the length, but it may also be like, that it's boring. Uh, it's like we have very long posts on our website and some of them, especially the how to set up GA4 posts, have 20% and higher content consumption rates, which is significantly higher. Usually we see like in the 5% is a good benchmark. And I think it also shows how few people actually like read the whole thing. Yeah. But we're also tracking, you know, if they dwelled long enough, but they didn't scroll, then they hoarded the tab for later. If they scrolled, but they didn't spend long enough, then they were skimming and then they just abandoned ship if neither is true. Um, and then on top of that, we're also recording things like, you know, video views, as I mentioned, the image views, we were looking at that as well. And then we'll also record on-site engagements. Like we do a lot of uh, floating table of contents for particularly long posts. And we want to see if people are clicking through on that. And so those types of things can really help us see what are people engaging with on the page. If you have accordion sections, seeing what's being open and closed. And if those are really interesting, like if you have an accordion right now on our site, we have an accordion that's at the very bottom of one page and it is our most clicked accordion. Like, great, we're going to take that and we're going to turn it into a post because clearly this is resonating with that audience. 
Um, and then the other thing we measure as well is, uh, and this is also described in a post on our website on kpplaybook.com, is uh, measuring how they engage with the page. So what we're looking at is, was the tab reloaded for the page view or was it a new tab? Which means, were they hoarding the tab, basically? <laughs> and if they were hoarding the tab, then that means that they've been keeping it in their browser for, you know, weeks, months, years. Um, and, you know, and was it a new tab? Did they use back and forward? And those kinds of factors as well can tell us, you know, how are people engaging with the website? We can count how many tabs they have open of your website. Um, so being able to know those types of things is also really useful to get an overall sense of how content is engaged with. Hmm. That, that's interesting. You know, like I said, the, uh, you can know how many tabs they have open. You know, I know we're all guilty. Of Not how many they can open okay. in total, just uh, just of your website. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So you have so a few hundred open, but only two of my website. I just see two. Gotcha. So. Okay. <laughs> I, I, yeah. yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. But, you know, like I say, seeing how, you know, because I know when, uh, I'm surfing the internet and stuff and I'm doing research projects and stuff. I'll open stuff and leave it open. Yeah. Yeah. I could bookmark it, but then I got to go through my bookmarks and stuff and I may not be mm -hmm. done with it. Like I'm, cause I probably got three or four tabs that are all related on different websites that are open. And like I say, I'm researching. So being able to, you know, kind of seg segment that, you know, that person out and stuff, you know, that different data, because they like say, otherwise, you know, yeah, I haven't left. It understands though that, yeah, mm -hmm. well, I haven't left. I'm not necessarily engaging with it because I'm not, you know, I'm not actively looking at it and stuff. Um, well, and that's one of the reasons why the data is so different between UA and GA4 because UA didn't actually look at active users in terms of people having the tab open for 10 seconds. So yeah. in the user counts in UA, everyone was a user. So if you had that tab open and then you came back like a month later, you know, you're a returning user. But even though you didn't actually look at the tab, you just woke up your browser from a nap. It doesn't matter. You would have sent a zero-second page view event off to, off to Universal Analytics. But in GA4, they only count active users. So that user's metric is only active users. And active users are someone who has spent with at least 10 seconds with your tab as their active tab, gone to a second page, converted, or it's their first visit. So they're trying to eliminate those tab hoarders out of those user counts. So if you see less users in GA4, that's why you had a lot of tab hoarders. Hmm. So, you know, it should be able to make the data, you know, a lot more accurate of what's really mm -hmm. going on. Have you but been... it's sad in the meantime. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you have less people, but this is the truth now. So <laughs> Yeah, that's what yeah. I was that's what I was gonna ask is, you know, how much of a difference in visitors and, and you know users and stuff are you seeing in some accounts in comparison to what the mm -hmm. previous data was? Yeah, it really ranges based on client. We have one client where they um, they sell used construction equipment and they have a promotions page that gets updated every single day. People leave that tab open all the time. I think 70% of their page user of reloaded tabs. So just keep people keeping it open all the time. Yeah. That page has definitely less users overall now that we've switched them over to GA4. But that's why, because they're just not active. They're just hoarding the tab. But again, like once they got over that and we explained, and we were already tracking things like, was it reloaded? So they kind of knew that this was happening with this tab and we knew that they were going to see a reduction in user rates for people landing on that tab because that's they've just kept it open. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think really pre-warning the client that this is going to happen, I think is a really important step but this is just like, I know that this is going to happen as soon as I shut this off. Like when we work with clients and more than once they've had clients where they had page view goals. So like just a view of the contact page was counted as a conversion, not people actually contacting the client. Yeah. And then you switch it and their conversion rate goes in the toilet. And they're like, I'm sorry, but it's accurate now. Like you just you got to warm people up before you yeah. launch into that kind of data. Have you been seeing the same kind of yeah, things, Donna? I mean, the, the conversion rates and numbers are definitely... They're definitely transforming from what they were. Um, the data is more accurate across the board because of it. If it's tracking engagement versus bounce rate, 
Um, it's not counting all those extra tabs. It's not counting, you know, all the zero time on sites, which is going to hurt and skew your numbers completely. Um, long scheme of things. Um, I do, I do like to use the exit path metric, especially on e-commerce type of, uh, uh, campaigns. If, you know, if you have a collection page that people are, are, are clicking on and they're getting to, and then they don't buy anything. Well, that collection page needs work. They should be clicking into products. They should be engaging deeper into the site. So the fall off is super important, right? Wherever you have the most fall off is where you're losing the most money that you paid to drive that traffic into your site. Um, so that's a very solid metric that we like to use to figure out where we can improve first, hierarchy wise, right? If, if the homepage is losing all the traffic, well, then your homepage might need a little work, but then again, it's your homepage. It might be getting a lot of traffic from random sources. So being able to break down the data, you know, with, with a Looker Studio, be able to see it by page and segment out exactly search data by page, and then figuring out your fall off from there is going to be extremely helpful in your success um, long run uh, and, and identifying, you know, where, where the leaks are in the, in the ship. How are you, um, Dana, using it to identify new opportunities for, you know, content creation and stuff, you know, where, you know, I say you don't have something, you know, mm -hmm. but the data is leading to, you know, possible things that could be done. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where um, starting out with things like having FAQs or, you know, collapsible sections can be really helpful in identifying, you know, people are engaging with this. We only have this one small piece of content on it. So let's feature it and turn it into its own page now. Uh, so if you're not sure about a piece of content, for example, related to a specific service that you offer, put it on that page, make like make a little frequently asked questions section, put it on that page is just a quick answer. And then if you see that people are engaging with it, great, then turn that into its own individual post. And when we were working with um, Expedia, we worked with them on their signing up hotels and uh, B&B side of things, not the consumer side of things. But one of the things we started with them was looking at, you know, should they be a leader in terms of calculating things like what is RevPAR, which is a really common you know, hotel metric, for example. And so it started out as having these FAQs. And then once we found which ones were most engaged with, we created the pages. And all we did was link to them in the FAQ. We didn't have any other like special internal linking because takes a long time, obviously, for very large companies to make yeah. changes, but it did really, really well just on its own with organic traffic. And then once we had some data for the page, we could say, all right, so now we have some real keyword data for the page from Search Console. What are we going to do to improve this page from here? And so that turned into a great um, strategy for them to create new content. Yeah. And Donnie, I would, have you I would some... lean towards the um, Search Console route as well for this. Um, like I've had, I have a private aviation client who well, I had him up until a few months ago. Uh, they're number one in Google nationally for private jets. Uh, they're called XO, flyxo.com. Um, and, you know, for their company, we would do, we would find a lot of hidden nuggets in the Google search console data. We would find a route that they wrote about, and then we would say, okay, are there more routes? And then we would find, okay, there's a list of routes here. So we decided to build thousands of routes thousands of them and high quality pages. Um, and, and not only build one route, build a reverse route too, and include it on that same page with a little jump to link. So the user had all the information about all these destinations. They would learn a little bit about the culture. Um, there would be links to local uh, restaurants. There would be links to transportation, limos, whatever. Um, something for your luxury type client, but 
our work and effort, it, it, it surpassed what we expected. And the hidden gems are in the data. They're in Google Search Console. Google Analytics is good for finding how the user behaves, but for finding the, search, the, 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 the gems that are going to create you more content, what to work off to create more content, I would use Search Console. To figure out if the content's working, I would use Google Analytics. Let's dive into that a little bit, Dana. You know, how are you going about using the two together? You know, because like he was, you know, what Donnie was saying, you know, there's a lot more opportunities that can be spotted if you're putting, you know, obviously, because consoles come a long way too. It's it's definitely mm -hmm. a, a much improved platform over what it you know started as. Oh yeah, and I think I think as well. People need to realize you're not getting all the data in Search Console. It's it's, and I'm telling clients this a lot. Like you're looking at trends, not absolutes, when it comes to anything in analytics at all, no matter the product these days. Because ad blockers, you know, we all use them, yeah. which we probably shouldn't. You know, <laughs> it's like we won't take our own medicine. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's. But if you uh, the latest stats, I think say forty percent of Americans use ad blockers, and that's not surprising to me. Mm -hmm. So you already have to think about the fact that you're already getting data only from the people who don't care about tracking. <laughs> they're, they're fine with you stealing other private data. You're already getting those people. And then you have to think about Safari and how you're not showing up all the data and Google and Apple trying to, you know, maybe come out with a their own search engine and Bing is somehow a little bit back, just a little bit, but something, yeah. you know, so again, you're really only getting that subset of data of people who use Google and are fine with tracking. Then going into it, thinking about how can I blend together a really common thing we'll do in Looker Studios, blending together Google search console data with GA4 data up on the landing page basis is the key to tie it together. And then you can look at things like the conversion rate and then you can compare clicks versus, you know, sessions, for example, to see how close or far off that is. Um, and then something else we'll look at as well as we record an event whenever a 404 page is viewed specifically, and then we'll blend that with Search Console data and say, is there anything showing up in Search Console that actually goes to a 404 page? And if so, what are the keywords? And then let's fix that. Like, where else should this be going instead? Yeah. You can do the same thing for PPC as well, which is actually where we started using it. And then from an SEO perspective, it's a really nice way to say, especially with brand new clients where you're just getting in there, it's a really nice way to build some quick wins into, you know, what can we fix right away that is obviously broken? Or is it a page that needs to be restored? Um, yeah. You know, we had one client where they had this fantastic calculator that they removed from their website. And uh, I think I originally found it in Ahrefs, and then I realized in Search Console that they were still driving traffic to that page. Huh. And then we got them to fix that right away, which is awesome for them. But that's the kind of opportunity that you can find um, just by seeing, you know, blending together pages. And all you would need to do, you don't have to record a special event. You could look at pages in GA4 where the title is whatever your page not found or whatever your yeah. 404 page says, and then combine that with Google Search Console data and see if anything links up. Hmm. Yeah, so you've got opportunities, you know, like I say, but to expand beyond, don't it's not one or the other platform, you know, you know combine the two mm -hmm. and look through them. Donnie, you got any other, you know, I mean, to add no, to that? I don't. I think she covered it well. Um, you know, there's this, this topic could go on for, for days and days, but, um, you know, I, I find that combining all the tools is usually the best way to, to narrow down what's going on. Um, and, and, and they're like, again, the hidden gems, it's all, for me, it's always been about the hidden gems. We get a new client, they, it used to work. We paid a company, it was great. Now it doesn't work. We don't know what happened. They've been trying, they can't fix it. You know, and you start digging into the history. You go, you go to Google, you, Google is one of your best tools to use. You know, you look at news, you look at different things that happen. You look at, you know, the, the current, the updates that happen. You look at the timelines to when the, when the traffic dropped off. 
and you line up all the data to one day and you find the hidden gem and you're like, okay, here's what happened. You guys over-optimized your website or, or you, you use ChatGPT to write all your content. You know, you decided to rewrite your whole content uh, strategy with ChatGPT and without, without somebody actually fact-checking and making sure that it's written properly. Yeah. Yeah. So is there any, you know, last things, uh, Dana or Donnie, that you've seen in, um, you know, GA4 that have come out that would are also beneficial? You know, so let's say additional things they might have added to the system that, you know, we wouldn't necessarily look at, you know, back in universal. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, one feature in GA4 that I really like that I think is kind of hidden is library. You can actually modify the menu that shows up under when you look at reports in GA4 by using the library. And so we'll customize this for a client and add the sections and that matter to them. And we'll actually put it in as questions like, you know, where do people start on the site? Here's your organic landing pages. Here's your social landing pages. Here's all your different landing pages. And you can, it is customized for everyone. So you can't make a set of reports for you and a set of reports for them. It shows for everybody. But if you have a client who does like to go into GA4 and they're comfortable with going into analytics, but they just want specific reports, being able to create your own reports and then customize that sidebar navigation is huge. And I don't think that's something that people have really looked at a lot yet. I have a video on YouTube actually that we're publishing right now while we're recording this. <laughs> My team is publishing it right now um, that goes through a really simple example of making an organic landing pages report and adding it to the navigation so you can find it later. So it's the landing page report that's pre-filtered for organic and you just add it to the navigation and then it's already set up for you or your client. I like that function because, you know, often, <clears throat> excuse me, often with clients, you know, there are certain things they want to see depending on how large of a client it can be, what kind of budgets they have and stuff and how much effort you're having to put in and being able to make it so that you can customize and have those specific reports because otherwise, you know, you end up pulling kind of the same things and, you know, for everybody and not everybody needs the same thing. So I think that's a really good upgrade. Is any other last uh, tidbits? Um, I, I was going to ask Dana a question actually um, about like uh, paid the paid advertising in GA4. There's a whole advertising section for it um, where you see conversion paths and all comparisons. Mm -hmm. Is there? Or have you have you had any um, ways of breaking this data down, like by source, by or do you just mm -hmm. use video for pretty much not? Yeah, it's not great yet. Um, I think that that section is one section that is going to see a lot of improvements. I think they basically tossed in the basics of what we're going to need, like multi-channel funnels and whatnot. Um, but I don't, I think it's going to change for sure. And I think there is a lot of interesting data that's going to come out of that. So from a paid perspective, it isn't something necessarily that we're using that part, but we are using a lot in paid our audiences in GA4, which are significantly improved over what we had in universal analytics, because you can even do time-based audiences now. So you could say that if someone comes to the website and, you know, adds something in their cart within a week, you know, then show them this ad later on or within five minutes or, you know, you have that time based, but a lot of negative audiences. So, for example, people, one of the audiences we run are people who've consumed a piece of content on our website in the last 30 days, for example. And that's a good remarketing audience for when we publish new content. Um, so the audiences that are there are fantastic. And we'll also create audiences as well that aren't intended for paid, but just in general. So, for example, we'll create an audience of people who came to the website, but did not look at their careers page or their jobs page. And that way we're filtering out the people who probably are never going to convert because they want a job. They don't want to work right. with that particular company. So that's also a really good use of audiences. Yeah. 
That's some really good good tips there. Yeah, we we do a lot of um, you know job recruitment and stuff. You know, and so being able to segment them out. Yeah, you know, like yeah, you know, the people that are not you know job hunting versus the ones that are. That's a really good tip. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Um, how would let's start with you, Donnie? How would people get a hold of you and then Dana? Um, I have uh, three companies you could reach to me out. You can reach out to me from one's good at marketing, good at marketing.com. Um, that's the agency side. And then Rapid SEO host is hosting with SEO in mind for WordPress. Uh, we help you set up everything you need to get your zero to five done. Then all you need to do is create content and get backlinks which leads to the third company, Asset Linkable, which will create content for you and do outreach work to get you backlinks the natural way. And Dana? Yeah, definitely the best place to find me. I am on Twitter and LinkedIn, of course. Uh, well, the X, it's called X <laughs> yeah, now. It's not Twitter Never mind. <laughs> X formerly known as. <laughs> X formerly known as Twitter. Uh, yeah, you can find me there or you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, website I recommend you check out is Kickpoint Playbook, which is at kpplaybook.com. Our course is called Analytics for Agencies. And if you register, if you purchase it with the code Marketing Masters, all one word, all lowercase, you get 10% off your purchase. And we have discounts for multi-license purchases starting at just two people. Okay, well, this has been great. We've been talking analytics. Google, you know, has of course rolled out GA4, and you know, marketers have been having to deal with it left and right. You know, I say, you know, Google likes to force us to do these things. Um, you know, so if you are not already, you know, they say your analytics, you really have to pay attention to, and there are some really good features, you know, that have been described that you know, GA4 has, you know, been able to provide us platform still got a little ways to go as far as the the user interface but the data is there and that's what matters most you know i'm cash miller uh host of marketing master ceo of tank digital thank you for joining us and we'll see you on the next episode thank you for tuning into marketing masters the agency power show this show is produced by titan media works and is a part of the small business delivered podcast network check out smallbusinessdelivered.com for more info about upcoming shows hosts, programs, and how you can start your very own podcast.